When I think back 25 years or so, I'm really not sure how we managed to get everything done that we felt we needed to do. But our kids were, the boys, four, or excuse me, 17, 15, and 14, and our daughter was 12. And there was always two or three or four playing soccer. Four were in band and chorus. Two of the boys had paper routes. Uh, one of our sons uh, got up early in the morning to bake muffins to take the diner across the street into the teacher's lounge at school. Uh, we had youth group. Uh, our oldest was driving. The boys had a lawn mowing business. I was pastoring two churches. Diane was teaching. We were trying to uh, take care of, help out my 93-year-old aunt and everything else that comes along with everyday life. Phew, makes me tired to even think about it. Now, sure, I was younger, and I was in better shape physically than I am now. Not sure about mentally, though, but we had kids from all over town at our house all hours of the day and night. Uh, we didn't allow video games, uh, which would be unheard of today, but found out years later that our boys would go out. We had a tent camper, those pop-up things, and they would go out and they would open that up and they would take this old TV that we had in the garage and they would put it in that tent camper and play video games that they had borrowed from somebody. Oh boy, a lot of things that we have found out years later, probably good. But I wouldn't trade those years for anything. We were there for seven years, and we all still have friendships that we keep going. We've gone to many weddings of the kids that our kids grew up with and played with and went to school with. I'm so glad that God made us the way he did. Now, they say that some animals remember people from their past, and I don't doubt that. But it's certainly not like we do, because sometimes memories are all that we have to hold on to. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you do give us a memory. Sometimes it gets kind of bad and we forget things, but the important things really seem to stick with us. And Lord, I praise you for that. So Lord, help us to, to realize that one thing that needs to be a great part of our memory is your word. And so as we look at your word, Lord, help us to see what it is that's the message for today that you have for us, that Lord, we can put it into action. And so, Lord, just open our minds, our hearts, our ears, and help us to get the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want you to think of five positive words that you would use to describe your best friend. Okay, now some of you may have to think, well, who's my best friend? You know, I got this person and this person and that person. Just think of one, okay? So five words to describe your best friend. Now, I want you to think of five positive words that describe yourself. Whoa, 
For most of us, that is hard. We can come up with two, eh, maybe three, and then, wow, you know, I don't think I can think of any more. I know sometimes in a job interview, they'll, they'll ask you, you know, what's, what's some positive attributes of yourself? And a lot of people just kind of sit there and stare off into space. So now, how about five words to describe God? Okay, most of us could come up with more than five in a real hurry. So we need to, to realize the importance, importance of friends, ourselves, but mostly of God and the, the positive things that he puts into our lives. I'm going to look at one of David's psalms in this message, Psalm 8. And it starts out like this, verse 1. I love this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Wow, that kind of says it all. Majestic. That's one way that David described God. In the King James, it says, excellent. Uh, the Hebrew there is adir, which means glorious, noble, worthy, mighty. And well, those words all sound pretty accurate. And maybe when I ask you to think of five words to describe God, some of those words may have been used by yourself. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, David finishes verse 1 like this. You have set your glory in the heavens. Glory a word that sometime we'll maybe take a little closer look at, but not today. Well, as a shepherd and as a fugitive, David spent a lot of time under the stars. And I'm sure that he looked at them and was just filled with wonder and awe, especially, you know, if a shooting star came, you know, he just wondered, well, why did that happen? Where is it going? Where did it come from? You know, is it going to hit the earth? So he knew that God had created what he was seeing. And God created it for our enjoyment. And he created it because he could. Well, we find similar words throughout the Psalms from David and from other authors. I want to share a chorus that means a lot to me. And it's short and repetitive in a lot of ways. It says, I see the Lord seated on the throne exalted. The train of his robe fills a temple with glory, and the whole earth is filled, and the whole earth is filled, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, 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 holy. Holy is the Lord of lords. That's who God is to me. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is holy. This is what Revelation 19.16 tells us. In verse, in um, Psalm 8.2, it says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. You know, Jesus quotes this in Matthew 21.16, when he was being challenged at the temple. 
after his donkey ride into Jerusalem. And the children were singing praise to him. Because Jesus says, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Most children, they're really not too timid about praising the Lord. I think at churches where we serve different places and the Sunday school songs that uh, they would sing. And a lot of times the kids were kind of in competition with each other. You know, who could sing the loudest? And, you know, if the this kid started singing louder than you, you'd start singing. And the kid on the other side would start singing louder. And so, you know, they just wanted to, to sing that praise out. Well, as we grow older, we become more conscious of how we sound. And we sometimes compare ourselves to others. And I wish I could sing like he does. Well, she has a beautiful voice. You know, I just, I hate to be sitting next to her, you know, when we sing, because she just sings so much better than myself and everybody else. Well, Satan hates it when God's children praise him. His children, big and small. Verses 3 through 5 asks his questions. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. What a question. You know, why does God care? Someday we'll find out. Well, this is how the message puts those verses. And I really like this because it says, I look at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their settings. Then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why do you take a second look our way? How true that is. God is limitless. He's borderless. I saw a thing recently that, that compared the planets, you know, with Jupiter down to Mercury. I guess Pluto's gotten kicked out. But from Jupiter down to Mercury, and it showed the size of each of those planets. And the Earth is so small compared to Jupiter. Jupiter is, is over 1,100% times larger than the Earth. Okay, and we are just a speck on the earth. So Genesis 1 tells us of the enormity of God. In verses 14 to 19, Jesus said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give them light on the earth. So it was. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. 
all of this is so important to God. Okay, we read in Psalm 147.4, says, He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Okay, calls them each by name. Not, you know, in a cluster, but individually. You know, it's not like, oh, there's the Big Dipper over there, and there's Orion over there, and there's whatever. That's about the only two I know. Little Dipper, too. Okay, but God didn't know them like that. God knew the name of the stars, each one, it says. Job, in his distress, has this to say about mankind. In chapter 7, verses 17 and 18, he says, What is man that you make so much of him, that you give him so much attention, that you examine him every morning and test him every moment? You know, Job didn't understand, you know, you are God, and why do you care about us? You know, a lot of times I would think, I wouldn't care about us, but God does. I guess I try to answer David's question in verse 4. It says, why is God mindful of us and care for us? Well, to answer that question, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and all and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Okay, it says, in our image. Why wouldn't God be mindful of us if he created us in his image? Why wouldn't he care for us if he made us like him? No, God loves all of his creation, but we take first place. Remember, his eye is on the sparrow, so I know he watches me. Well, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 2 adds to this topic when he says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under the feet. That we got right from Genesis one twenty six. Well, verses 6 through 8 really echo this position that God has put mankind into from Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So, how are we doing? Well, the answer depends on who you ask. Those in favor of hunting, fishing, ranchers and farmers, well, they'd have one answer. And those that are in favor of climate change or other things, they'd have a different answer. The, vegan, the vegans would answer differently than the eat more chicken people. If you listen to my podcast, you know which line I would be in. Verse 9 takes us back to verse 1, because it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, the psalm is really a good model for prayer. Begin and end with praise. Well, what about you and me? 
who am I? Okay, not the positive words that I ask in the beginning, but who am I? Well, I would say I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I'm a pastor. I'm a podcaster. But who does God say that I am? Well, Scripture has many answers for that question. 1 John 4.17 This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. I am? No, no, no. I'm striving to be. But John tells me that, that I'm loved and that I'm to be like Jesus. Colossians 2.10 says, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Okay, some versions say complete. You have been made complete. So God says, you're complete. You're just the way I made you. Psalm 30, verse 2, David says, Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. So I'm healed. Not necessarily a physical healing, but God heals me. God healed then, God heals now. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? I'm a temple of the Lord. Whoa, that's really something. And I'm that temple, not because of me, because of anything that I've done by all means, but because of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And it's that part of God that's living inside of me. Matthew 5.14, Jesus tells us, You are the light of the world. And verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're light. Okay? We're not in the darkness anymore. We're in the light, and we are the light. Okay? We're called to be that light so that others will see their way to Jesus. For Thessalonians 1.4, the New Living Translation tells us, We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. We're chosen. Okay? God, God chose us. He, he could have chosen anybody else, but he chose us, those that he made in his image. So I've been chosen by God, and I think that that's really exciting. I remember back when I was a kid, and you know, we had a, a big side yard, and a lot of the neighborhood kids would come and play baseball in our yard. And I, I was always one of the last ones chosen. And that didn't bother me because I didn't really like to play baseball that much anyways. I liked to watch it on TV. About that time, I was a Yankees fan. And uh, Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle were playing, so that was a good team to be following. But I really didn't care about playing baseball. I was just there because some of my friends were. And so I was one of the last ones chosen because they knew that I didn't really care. You know, that I was just there for the, for the joy of being with my friends. Song of Solomon 4.7 says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. 
there is no flaw in you. Well, remember this from 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God looks at our heart and he says, you're beautiful. He says, you know, the real beauty cannot be seen by the eye. You, my child, you are beautiful. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only am I the handiwork of God, I'm God's worker. Okay, when God was knitting us together in the womb, he had things in mind for us to do. That's why we have the gifts and talents that we do to bring glory to God. Isaiah 43, 4. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life, we're precious to God. Out of all his creation, we are precious. We are honored. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Without the Lord, I'm a condemned man. I'm doomed to spend eternity in hell. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save me from that. Romans 15.13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, what great news that is in today's world, that we can be filled with joy. Some of us haven't experienced a lot of joy, but as believers, our joy doesn't depend on our circumstances. It depends on God. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is one that's probably familiar to a lot of you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We have hope in the Lord. When we were leaving that town that I talked about earlier, our kids felt like it was the end of the world. Leaving the familiar they, they liked the, the little town that we lived in. They liked the school. They had lots of friends. Uh, the youth group, the grandparents weren't too far away. And so we found this verse and we clung to it. And it gave us hope. Do you get the picture? We're more than parents and spouses and teachers and farmers and siblings and friends. We're certainly not what the world says we are as believers. We're not fools. We're not crazy. We're not wimpy and much worse that we get called by the world. We're not what the world or even our friends and family may say that we are. We are what God says we are. And that's who you are. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for, for who you are and the fact that you love me. You created me just the way I am and you love me just who I am. So, Father, I just praise you for that. And Lord, don't let me forget it. And if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're searching for what you need in your life, I can tell you that it's him.
that it's the Son of God that needs to be the center of your life because he gave his life for you. He died on the cross for your sins. And so, Father, I pray that you'll put a burden on those listening that they know that they need to have your Son and that only he will change your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.